Welcome to the Family Life Christian Fellowship Podcast. Become a light today. Featuring Pastors Larry and Yvonne Clark. This message will teach, empower, encourage, and even challenge you in your walk with the Lord. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit familylifeonline.org. And now, here's this week's speaker. Uh, I'm going to talk to you, uh, like I told you, I had been locked up uh, these last four months, kind of seeking God, and family loving it, everybody loving it. But uh, um, the, God's getting ready to do some great things. You in St. John 1 and 1, right? Uh, the title of the message this morning is Outside the Sanctuary. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, Outside. Oh, Lord. Say it again. Say it a little stronger. Outside. The sanctuary. Outside the sanctuary. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. So now, um, uh, God's getting ready to use the body of Christ. Not just me, but he's going to use everybody. Can you say hallelujah? And now, uh, later on, some of you may remember we said this, but stuff's going to be happening outside. We're going to be ministering to people outside. Can you say hallelujah? The church would just be the, ref- the refueling place. We're going to be outside in the streets and in the pavilions and out in the community, healing the sick and God performing miracles and wonders and leading people to Jesus and befriending them. Can you say amen? Do like this. Say it's time to shift gears. See, just to make it to church, honey, oh. Um, And the miracle's going to increase. I was just sharing with Pastor Larry and I, uh, I went to Kentucky after Michigan, went to Kentucky, then went back home again for the week, and then I come out to y'all. Listen. In Kentucky, there was a man, you know, you, where you, you miss your leg, you know, you have prosthetics. He took that thing off and that leg began to grow. The missing leg, are you hearing me? The missing leg grew out so far that he had to make, he came running after the service because he had to adjust the whole prosthetic just to fit again. I'm telling you, the time's coming when the whole foot's going to form. I'm talking to you this morning. I'm telling you, there's been an increase. Outside the sanctuary, John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the what? And the word was with God. huh? And the word what? Was God. Verse 14. And the word became what? (laughs) And what? Dwelt among us. I know we read it a lot. We'll talk about it in a minute. And what what happened? And we beheld his glory. See, Uh, The glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, uh, In the Message Bible, it kind of brings home where I want to go. It says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. But verse 14 says this, 
And the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. The word is going outside the sanctuary. The way the writer described it, and it said, he came down and dwelt among us and moved into the neighborhood. The greatest miracle of Christianity when God put on human flesh and dwelt among his own creation. There is no greater miracle. He moved into the neighborhood. Boy, if that was the day he was at the corner store. At the Wawa. Huh? Moving around where we lived, where we worked, where we bought our coffee, where, where we worked, where we played, where we picked up the kids from the daycare. Can you say amen? He moved to where we were. This is the revelation of Christianity. He went outside the sanctuaries of heaven. Outside of the glories of the presence of God and the angels, and like we are in church, you know, it's safe in here. But he came out, can you say hallelujah? And he came down because he wanted to know you. Oh, he wanted to identify with you. Oh, he wanted to see your struggle. You trying to hustle up and get the money you need for this. He came to where we lived. It tells you a lot about him. This is the revelation of Christianity. He brought the glory to where people were. And they beheld it. Can you say amen? They saw it. It's like, man. He ain't try to contact us by Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. He didn't try to FaceTime. He came himself. And he brought the glory to people. He was looking at it. Can you say amen? Because he was with God. He was in the presence. He was soaking God up. Hallelujah. Then he brought the glory where the people could see it. How where they live. Can you say hallelujah? The second greatest miracle is not that same God. I'm trying to get to the Christians. He's living in you now. To me, I won't spend a lot of time on this, but I love Israel too. You shouldn't have to go to the Holy Land and walk where Jesus walked and be baptized where he was baptized and walk the Via Della Rosa to feel closer to God. Sugar, he living in you. Do you believe what his word said? I think we're almost blinded by admiration. Yes, we love Israel, but the Jews require a sign, the Bible said. They need miracles to believe on the Messiah. I want to be more than their friend. I want to give them the gospel with signs and wonders. Somebody say hallelujah. That's the difference in what we are going to do. 
Okay, now, the second greatest miracle is he come to live in us. Now, we the word made flesh. As the Bible says, we are epistles. Little books, little words of Jesus. Can you say amen? Known and read by all people. Now, we are his hands. We are his feet. We are his eyes. We are his voice. Stop sending the Holy Spirit places. You praying and you sitting in places. Like here, Aaron, but Holy Spirit, move on the college campus. Move in the name by your spirit. We call him in, Holy Spirit. North, south, east, and west. He's not going. That's tradition. That charismatic tradition. That still ain't working. You see how long they've been calling them in and that confession's not working? Because it's unscriptural. The Holy Spirit is not sent to do the work. He's sent to be the helper. Ding dong. Ringing a bell. He's sent to help somebody do the work. He's sent to help us. Can you say hallelujah? So now we, his hands, his eyes, his feet. Oh, he wants to express his love. God so loved the world. He gave. Oh, he wants to touch people's lives. Oh, he hurts and yearns when they are sick or in pain or have problems or their lives have been destroyed. Oh, but he, he's trying to express himself, but he needs a body. God is spirit. People are his flesh to you. He got all the spirit he can handle. He needs a body. He needs some flesh. He needs some hands that he can live through. Voices he can speak through. Legs he I'm talking to you this morning. I'm trying to get you ready for this. This has been the word generation. I guess it must have been catching on maybe since the 70s. And we got it, you know. And, and the things we learn about doing his word is right. Except for one thing. We now the word. It's in us now. We had two generations to get us in us. Now it's shown by action. Somebody say action. We've got to do something. The word has become flesh. Now, quickly, Luke chapter 9, verse 1. Luke 9, verse 1. So at 1 o'clock, me and I have been preaching 45 minutes. At 1 o'clock. Huh? At 1 o'clock, I've been preaching 45 minutes. And, you know, this is only my first time here this year. I hadn't seen y'all since last year. Plus, I'm not here every Sunday. So I should get a little bit more time. I mean, that's only, that should only be right, shouldn't it? And then what time did we start? At uh, 10.30? 11? We started at 11? And I got it at 12.15. That's an hour and 15 minutes.
Luke 9, verse 1. This is a good group, Pastor Larry. We go and play. You watch this. I didn't told you. Everybody was looking up to somebody. Shoot, he and you, dude, in all his fullness. Man don't impress me. The manifestation of Jesus Christ impresses me. That's what impressed me. Now look, then he called his 12 what? Come on, say it now. Disciples. That means disciplined followers. Them at least Sunday morning goers. At least that much. So uh, I'm concentrating because you see this not the apostles or the prophets. You know, them the big dogs nowadays. But these are ordinary Christians. Common folk who follow Jesus. Housewives, it could be. He called the 12, he gave them what? Power and authority. Man, I can't wait to God use some of these young people, I'm telling you. When your hands lay hands on somebody and they get healed, dude, church is another whole ball game. That's what I'm praying for is God use you. He sent them, he gave them power and authority over all the demons and to cure diseases. Somebody say disciples. He sent them outside the sanctuary. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He said unto them, don't take nothing. I'm going to show you something. I'm going to take a staff. Don't take your coach bag. Don't take any sandwiches. You don't even need any money. And don't even take two coats apiece. It's no excuses, in other words. And whatever house you enter, bing bong. Whatever house you enter, there... Stay there and then and from there depart. Yeah, but they might they might be mad. And whoever will not receive you, he's telling you there are gonna be some people who don't receive you. There's gonna be some rejection. But don't take it personal. Look at this. When you go out of that city, shake off. Somebody say shake off. The dust from your feet is a testimony against them. They departed. They went through the towns, preaching gospel and healing everywhere. Ooh, lift your hands and say, preaching gospel and healing everywhere. Disciples. Somebody say outside. The sanctuary. Now, I got to go quickly. I, I can't possibly give everything that I need to give you. But I want you to see, go quickly to Acts chapter 19. So now this precedent that they had, they, they ministered to people one-on-one -on -one in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. They ministered outside, they ministered one-on-one, -on -one, and they went to people's houses. It was standard. I'm going to show you it was so standard. Uh, I won't have time to turn to the other, but the last verses in the book of Acts, it said Paul dwelt in a rented house. And he was receiving everybody that came to him. Boy, I'm telling you, God's got some surprises waiting. But here in Acts 10, 19 and 10, 
19 and 10, it says, <coughs> and this continued the space of two years. Somebody say two years. I'm going to show you something. I'm not waiting on these other people. So that all, somebody say all, all that dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. Stop right there. Young people, do you know where Asia is? Who knows where Asia is? No, I want some young people talking. Where is Asia? Let me tell you, places, you should know where Asia is. Uh, places like China, parts of Turkey, uh, uh, India. Everybody in Asia heard about Jesus from their ministry in a period of two years. So I want to hear what this generation talking about when we got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, telephone, newspaper, uh, uh, text, uh, email, uh, and some forms of Snapchat. And we still not doing nothing. And with no technology, they took the gospel to all. Do you, you know how many people in China? China always been big. It didn't have a billion people back then, but it had a whole lot. Everybody in Asia heard of the word of the Lord Jesus in two years. You looking at the word. Look at here. Both Jews and Greeks. Verse 11. Verse 11. And God did special miracles. Nobody say special miracles. Oh, it's the miracles that caused this to happen. They went to where the people were outside the sanctuary. Special miracles by the hands of Paul. So that from his body, Jesus, were brought unto the sick, handkerchiefs and aprons. These miracles like this helped them to win all of Asia in two years. So I'm not looking at our generation. They don't know yet. They don't even know how miracles happen. At least y'all do. I taught it here enough. You should know this by now. Everybody in Asia heard and miracles because the glory Got in the clothes. <laughs> I said, the, and we went down and we beheld his glory. Not glory coming out of us. The glory got in his clothes. And he was just distributing it. Y'all going to do that. He'll get in your clothes. You spend time with him. You stay in his word. You spend some time. You stay with God. To get in your clothes too. At least we could take New Jersey. While they trying to figure out what's going on here in this little town, shoot, we done done half New Jersey. I didn't, I didn't told y'all. Listen, we can do this. I've been in cities. I've been in cities. That, that you see our Bible school and all that started. That couple was in our meetings in northern India. I've been in cities where the whole city shut down. No traffic could drive. Cars could not move. 
there were 35,000 phone calls that came in of people who had physical healing, miracles. When a whole city shut down, that we could not even get to the meeting place. You had to get out of your car and walk. I've seen it already. And God, what he did there, can do it here if we do it his way. Outside the sanctuary, going where people are, with his miracles. I didn't see it when no, the whole city shut down. Now, uh, uh, somebody said we got to go to the house. Uh, y'all probably didn't start doing some outside stuff already. So you at least getting kind of used to being around people. You know, because after you didn't, the Bible say that after two years, not the Bible, but statistics say, after two years, the average Christian doesn't have any more non-Christian friends. All your sinner friends is gone. After two years, they're gone. So that means to, to get people, we're going to have to make contact outside. All your sinner friends is gone in two years' time. Either they're going to receive Jesus or they're going to say, shoot, I don't, you know, you can't on like that. So you used to contacting people outside. At least y'all started at least, you know, you start handing some flyers and stuff. <laughs> Didn't y'all, ain't y'all got, y'all been that level, so I don't even want to talk about that. Y'all got that down. At least you was getting used to it. Can you say amen? amen. But now we got to go to the next level. Somebody say the next level. Everybody not going to be walking around outside. You can see in the New Testament, they went to where the people live. That's how I started. Even in Tulsa, before we started the ministry. Ah! Ah! It ain't nothing. They people just like you. It's nothing. I'm in the word. No, you ain't. If you ain't did, that's the basics of Christianity. They went to people's houses, contacted until and they did it in two year time that everybody in Asia heard. I was. I remember I was up in Detroit, and I think I shared this. It was all tired. You know, we got another house up there. My mother left it, so I ain't never alone when I'm traveling. <laughs> And um, I was just about my sister's there, and she taking care of everything there. So just about to lay down at the end of the day, and the text came, come by the house. Dude, and it was like, at least it was somebody I knew. And it was like maybe 1030 at night. That means I got to put all my clothes back on, drive to the suburbs, and get there. And I did. Put all my stuff on, drove about a half an hour to get there. And when I got to the house, I knocked on the door. They just opened the door. And I walked in, and I understood why they wanted me to come. The, the mother had taken a fall and had this great big old thing on the ankle, and they wanted me to pray for her. They believed in miracles. So I said, well, before I pray for her, I don't know where the mother is spiritually, so I'm going to give her gospel so she can get some faith. 
Then we're going to pray. And we did that, and uh, she's sitting down, and we went down to kneel down and to lay our hands on her ankle, and we did. And after that, Jesus appears in the room. He's wearing a blue garment. He kneels down, and he lays his hands on the one. I'm talking to you. You have no idea. He's watching us this morning. He might show up anywhere. I'm telling you, let's go. Let's do it. He's going to use you. You are going to lay hands and see. Oh, I'm talking to you this morning. Let your neighbor say, this is not ordinary church. This is not ordinary church. It's not ordinary church. This is real stuff, young people, like we saw in the Bible. This is the stuff that happened in the Bible. Can you say amen? So now, we're going to need some practical stuff. So I'm going to just seed you. You taking notes. You kind of take some good notes. Because we're going to keep this as simple as possible. You've already had some outreaches where the whole church was involved. You've gotten used to at least being out there. You know, Christians nowadays, I just tell you, they're so scary. <gasps> you, you know, girl, you got to be careful. Some spirit might get on you. What they've got not going to get on you. What you've got is going to get on them. You are God, little children, and greater is he that's in you. That's right. Can you say amen? But now it's got to become flesh. Human, tangible, touchable. This generation does not know this. I'm telling you, they're going to come to you looking for answers because God is going to confirm his word with signs following. I'm talking to you. Talking to you. They're going to go to the place where miracles are happening. They're going to go to the place where people are in contact with God. Can you say hallelujah? So now, we're going to need a map of whatever city you want to do. You're on the college campus, so you're going to get a lot of transit. You'll get some of them. But we need to map this thing out. We need to find us a city. Somebody say, let's find a city. You know, during the seeking time, oh, so much. He wanted me to do what we done overseas because we need, we need a boot here in the United States. We, we don't know why God does such inciting miracles overseas. And we don't see him do too much because we're not doing what he said. We're just going to church and thought we done did something. Dude, this was these people's lifestyle. Somebody say lifestyle. So we're going to need a map of the city, and you got to get a place where you know you can contact people. You know, you may, this place around here may be intimidating to you. That's fine. So we'll find us a place, and we're going to map it out. Somebody say, map it out. And we're going to map it out to uh, we know every house has been contacted. You say, what you going to do when you get simple? Knock down. We out in, here in the community, I'm so-and-so, so-and-so, we out in the community, we doing a survey. Yeah. Survey? What kind of survey? We doing a survey, and then you go. So, 
Somebody say simple. Right, simple. Map of the city means you're going to need a notebook or use your phone to keep proper notes. What you talked about, who was in the house. I gotta, we even got a form for all this. I'm going to send to you later. You're going to need a track. Somebody say a track. A simple track that explains gospel. We're going to pair up in teams of two like they did in the Bible. Can you say amen? I'm telling you, Jesus is going to be in some of these places waiting for you. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them. What he did with me was all tired, laid out, and then he shows up in the house. I said, oh, what if I didn't have went? Didn't go. I'd have missed all of that. So we're going to pair up in teams of twos. We got a track. We got a map so we can be strategic. We're going to do a survey. We got some tracks. Still going to be coming to Sunday church. Blowing this place out. You still got that going for you. Huh? Uh, uh, do a little role playing? Huh? You say this because, you know, you start doing a survey and asking questions. You start locating people. See? And it's natural human nature to resist, especially when you know you got problems with your sins. We have the forgiveness of sins to offer. Can you say amen? Okay. So now, that's all in good. When you get used to doing the survey, it's nothing. After you done did three, four houses, you, done, you broke in. We done did everything. We did stuff outside. We finally got out there. There's only a certain amount of people you're going to get walking by. Then Christians start getting distracted anyway doing other stuff, eating or whatever, coming down hot dogs, Kool-Aid, whatever we got going on, and they just miss while we out there. I tell you, after three or four of these, it's going to be nothing. Oh, this ain't nothing. See, I told you. If you want me to go with you, I'll go with you. I don't have to come and preach. I've done this. Somebody say easy. Somebody say outside the sanctuary. And the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I'm not waiting on the other church. I'm not waiting on them. They don't know what they're doing. There's no miracles. There's no presence. There's no glory. Now, once you get that done, oh, I'm doing good. Look at the time. Once you get that done, then, once you get used to that, and I'm getting ahead of it because you ain't been exposed to this part yet, but I got to give it to you all because I won't be able to get you another time, so I got to get you now. Once you get that done, then what's going to happen is, and you got to get this. You got to get this. What I'm getting ready to tell you is why I'm standing before you today. Without this, I would not be here today. 
So you got to get this. After we've broken in, we got used to doing our survey and got used to making contact with some. And once you broke in, you know, three, four, five houses, shoot, you done. You broke in. Then you're going to engage somebody. Sooner or later, you're going to engage some people. You're going to win somebody to Christ. Or you're going to help restore somebody in their relationship with God. Once you've done that, you are not finished. Because we'll say, phew, got that monkey off my back. Man, then you know, you think you're done? Because no, no. Bible says in Mark 4, 15, when they hear the word, Satan comes immediately. And takes away the word that was sown in their heart. He does follow up. Christians do numbers. The enemy does follow up. He's going back right after you done left. To try to steal the word that was put in their heart. That means you got to beat him there. It's the Bible. Somebody say, we got to go back. That's why you need the notebook. You got name, you got address, you know where they stay. So you got to go see them again. This is the word made flesh. This is what it looks like. Somebody say, we got to go back again. The temptation is to just invite people to church. We're not going to invite people to church. If they wanted church, they'd already be coming. The temptation is the substitute inviting people to church instead of leading them to Christ with the gospel. We are going to lead people to Christ with the gospel and let the chips fall. And then we're going back again to see them. Can you say amen? amen? No, I'm telling you, if you want me to go with you, I'll go with you. So then, after we do that, let me give you scripture on it. Acts 15.36, quickly. Acts 15.36, because I ain't even been going 45 minutes yet. Are you there? Click, click. Acts 15, 36. You have, if we have not learned how to give a survey and present the gospel, what are we doing in our Christianity? Acts 15, 36. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, now this is the missionary. He said, let us go again. Somebody say, let us go again. There it is. Let us go again and visit. Somebody say visit. Our brethren. Ah. In every city. Somebody say every city. This is the word of God. Where we preach the word and see how they do. Hello. When the last time you heard that on TV? How about this one? Acts 14, 21. Quickly. 
you have to go back again. Which means you didn't took some notes after your contact. You know their name when you come back. You know where they live. You know their name. You probably know the kids' names. Because they want you to pray for stuff while you're there. And if they're sick, they want you to pray for them. That's what happens. Can you say amen? Lift your hands and say, we're going to the next level. Right? Y'all done been outside handing people stuff. Acts 14.21. When they preached the gospel to that city and it made many disciples, they returned. Somebody say they returned. To Lystra. And to Iconium. And to Antioch. Strengthening the souls of the disciples. Encouraging them to continue in the faith. See it there. Hear my testimony. I don't know if y'all ever heard my testimony before. How did I get crazy like this? How did he get like this? That's right. I got a testimony. I don't think I've ever shared it. Maybe. I wasn't raised in church, so it wasn't a whole lot to deprogram. I was in college like this. Had my little girlfriend. Dang, she was fine. I was glad to. <laughs> People say, oh, your wife looked like, dude, you should have seen her 35 years ago. Oh. So we was hanging out. And a friend of their family, they say, well, Kenny got saved. Her father had heard that Kenny got saved. Kenny was the kind of guy that burned down houses for insurance money. Kenny had all kind of stuff going on. It was a big deal when Kenny got saved. Had his first church service. We was college. We partied all night long. And her brother, now my brother-in-law, invited us to come to church. Well, make a long story short, you know, he prayed and over some Kool-Aid and stuff. And he gave it to us. And we laying up in bed. You know, we wasn't saved. He cut that out when we got saved. And uh, he invited us to church, so I came. Old, dirty warehouse building, maybe about 25 people up in there. And Kenny Priest, you must be born again. And he was one of them kind that at the, at the altar call, we don't see this no more because we, you know, we nice now. But he was one of them kind that he gave a countdown on his altar call. One! Tomorrow's not promised to any man. Choose you this day who you will serve, whether it be God or the devil. Two! I remember my friend who's now my brother-in-law, he took his uh, pen and he stuck it through the folding chairs because it was just wooden folding chairs. He said, go on up there. Jesus. Oh. Oh. I turned around. I said, man, when this is over, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to get you. I stood up. I felt like I weighed 10,000 pounds. I walked up to the front. <coughs> he came running next. He'd already got saved, but he wanted to make sure. He came up again, and then my girlfriend, she came. She came because she knew Kenny, and she felt if, if I didn't go up, he's going to call me out. 
Jesus. He gonna call me out, so I might as well just get on up there. And the three of us, we invited the Lord to, to, uh, to, to you know, come into our lives, and he prayed for each one of us, and when he prayed for me, a light come down out of heaven. I could see it coming. I'm like, what in the world? Now remember, I know nothing. And I'm like, my eyes is closed and I can see a light. It was real small and it just come there, come. Until when, it, when that light hit me, the whole place filled with light. I hit the ground. I said, oh my God, what in the world is this? I was terrified. It's like somebody took a blanket of electricity. You, you ever, when you was a kid, ever be fooling around with one of them electric sockets? We, we used to do it with a hanger. Dude, that thing would go up your arm to the bone. That's how it felt. All the way to my bones. I said, by the time I got to the mirror the next day, there were singe marks over my face, physical, to where I scraped them off. I put them in my hand, and I went to tell my mama that Jesus was alive. Because she used to tell us, she said, listen, if anybody ever asks y'all about church or anything, you just tell them we Baptists. <laughs> That's that's what she used to say. But I had a real encounter with Jesus Christ. That was on Sunday. How many know after Sunday, then comes Monday? So I grabbed my Bible the next day, took it down out of the uh, closet of my grandfather's Bible. He used to live with us. He left his Bible there. And I went running back over to my girlfriend's house. Sat down on the porch and I'm thumbing through the Bible. And while I'm sitting on the porch, uh, the house was like a T. There was a road here and then there was a road across there. And the house was right here. And I saw a motorcycle coming up the road like this. Coming straight at me. And then my thoughts got to going. And my thoughts said, well now, she told me she wasn't seeing nobody else. I remember my exact thoughts. And the guy on the motorcycle, he was coming and coming, and finally he rode the motorcycle all up in the yard because there wasn't no grass. And when he took the helmet off, my God, how mercy, it was the preacher. On Sunday, he was in a long robe, talking in a strange language. And on Monday, he was on a motorcycle, and he pulled up in the yard, and he said, how you doing? I was like, well, how are you doing? Let me go in the house and go get them. So I went in the house to get her and her brother, and they came out, and he said, well, now, um, what y'all going to be doing all day? And he said, well, we looked, he said, well, we're not going to be doing nothing. We ain't got no jobs. We was on spring break, you know. He said, well, I'm going to go back and get my van, and we'll just kind of hang out a few hours. He came, and he went and got his van. He brought another brother with him named Brother George. Brother George was a carpenter. So when he got there, he had some wood in this van, and he saw that the stairs needed repair on the house. So he asked Miss Hall, could he fix, 
fixed the stairs and everything, and I watched how they called each other brother this and brother that, and we just hung out for the next two hours or so. Then he said, now, um, what y'all going to be doing on Tuesday? Because Tuesday we have Bible study. And we said, well, we ain't going to be doing nothing because we don't have no jobs. <laughs> so he said, well, I'll come and pick y'all up on Tuesday evening. Sure enough, we went and got one of our college buddies, and she used to be saved. So uh, she came with us on that Tuesday, and she rededicated her life to the Lord. And I took my grandfather's Bible and was looking all through the book of Job because I thought that that's where I could find a job. That's where I come from. He taught us that Tuesday evening he worked midnights. So he would take us all home, you know, and then he would get ready to go to work. That's how his church started. On the way home, he said, well, what y'all going to be doing on Thursday? Because on Thursday we have midweek service. And we looked at each other and said, well, we're not going to be doing nothing because And sure enough, he came by Thursday evening about 6.30. He brought us all to church. And he said, now, um, on Saturday, I'm going to just swing by and take you over to one of my friends. She's going to be preaching. She's a police officer. She was in Women's Aglow. So on that Friday night, I was praying. Now, on Sunday, I told you what happened. Monday, you know what happened. Tuesday, you knew what happened. Only took him a couple of hours. Thursday, we went to church. By the time Friday coming, I'm praying because I felt that God wanted me to do something after that had happened. So I'm praying Friday night. Sure enough, Saturday morning, he swung by. Uh, uh, I stayed the night over, but we ain't fooled around. And he took us to the woman's glow meeting. And when he got there, the lady was preaching. And then she stopped. And she said, you young man right there. I turned her, you who turned around. You just prayed last night. And this is what you said. She said what I, the exact thing that I asked in my prayers. So by Sunday I was saved. And by Saturday I was called to the ministry. So I stayed, and one week's time I was in. He didn't invite us to church. He came back to see us. Years passed. We ended up moving to Tulsa. And all them churches, like I showed you, oh, that's just a few of them. There are 64 in Ghana. I just showed you, you know, maybe five or six. I laid out all them pictures on his desk years later, and he looked at all of that. And the thousands of people and the crusades and the miracle, he wept like a baby because he came back. If he had not come back, I'd have backslid like everybody else. Somebody say, we got to go back. We got to go back. We got to go back. And that's why I'm here. That's my story. 1984, we began the ministry a year before I finished Bible, Bible school. 
and we went to the nations. Can you say amen? Did you have a call? No. You had no call. I went because the Bible said go into all the world. I found out I was called later. Somebody say, you, we got to go back again. Let me give you the statistics in our country. Because I got, uh, I got, I got 11 minutes, but I'm going to finish early. Because I know y'all got so much to do today. So much. I mean, your calendar is just, it's packed, dude. These are statistics in our country, not Africa, not India, our country. 5% of the people join a church, become a part, get a life to Jesus, become a part because of the pastor. Only 5%. 5 to 6% is because of some kind of Sunday school you have. 3%. Because of some church program you got going on. I'm giving you the facts. 3% walk in. So if you had a visitor and they came in, everybody, oh God, a visitor came. God bless you. Hello, how you doing? Where you from? I mean, we just like. Only 3% of the people come in because of that. 3%. 2%. Because you've done some kind of special orientation in the community. 2% by visitation. Look at this. 0.05. That's a half of a percent. Because of revivals. Evangelism and revival you have. Half a percent. Start coming to church because of revival you run. 75%. Other people come to church, get their Bible, get involved, say they want to become a part of family life. 75% because of a friend or a relative. They came with them. Can you say amen? That means once we leave people, then we got to go back and see them. Then the idea is to become their friend. That means you got to quit being so stiff or tight or self-centered. That means you got to share your life with people. That's how they grow. In our country, the, all the other church is just transfer growth. They left First Baptist to go to XYZ Christian Center. Or some national person came to the church that was on TV. Can you say amen? Somebody said, we want real church growth. Saints must be sociable with sinners. Then they'll come with you. That's what happened to me. Can you say amen? In one week's time. Then I became like this by being around Brother Kenny. Then when they start coming to church, you got to be sociable. Huh? They're going to start coming. They got tattoos and muscles all out. Ring in their nose. Huh? Hair pink. 
We got to be loving. Can you say amen? We can't be critical. We can't be nitpicking over some little thing that got hanging on. Ooh, girl, don't you know that's of the devil? Jesus, give them a chance to grow. Are y'all getting this? Golly. Then there's prayer. I said prayer. Look at your neighbor and say, we got to bump up our prayer life. We got to be praying in the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? amen. And then all other details, just minor stuff. Look at here, I stopped early. Stand on your feet. I gave you enough. We're going to keep getting our miracle. Can you say amen? amen. And then we're going to keep giving miracles to other people. Can you say amen? amen. Then we're going back to see them. Can you say amen? amen. We're going to go back to see them more than once. Can you say amen? amen. Till we make the connection. Yeah. And the same house remained, eating and drinking, because a relationship was built. 75% of the people in the United States of America, that's how they come to church. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, that we are not going to invite people to church. If they wanted church, they'd already be coming. They want Jesus. They don't even know it. And we thank you, Lord. You gave us an outline, and you equipping us and still be blessed in our lives. Oh, I wish I had time to tell them how much you would bless us if we would do your will and how much things would come to their lives so much faster if we do what you ask. So I thank you today, Lord, for these words we commit to their hearts. We thank you. We give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen. All right, all the Christians, lift up your hands. If your hand not up, I'm coming to get you. You can't do that. Yes, I can. <laughs> You're not supposed to do that. <laughs> oh, shoot, that's everybody. Well, that's good. Can you say amen? It just means we got some work to do. Can you say amen? Oh, boy, this is going to be a miracle center. I'm talking to you. Hallelujah. Okay, now I want to pray for you. We don't want any Christian leaving who's got a need. So if you got a need, I want you to come because God's going to meet your needs while we meet the needs of others. Not going to be left out. So if you desire prayer this morning, I want, I'm going I'm to count to three. One, two. If you're serious, you're coming. You know if you want prayer. You know if you have a need. Two and a half. Two and three quarters. Two and seven eighths. Your math lesson. Two and fifteen sixteens. Thirty seconds, the sixty fours, the one twenty eights, two fifty six, going, ten fourteen, going. Oh, can you say amen? Oh, can you say hallelujah? Oh boy, y'all gonna? I feel it. Y'all gonna do this, man? Everybody not gonna do this, but y'all gonna do this. 
And, and boy, once you experience, once that ice is broken, I, I, I got whole messages on that. Got whole messages on the reward. We don't have time. We'll get to it later. But y'all going to do this. It's not hard to organize. Just keep it simple. You see, we don't need no money. We need no extra clothes. He said don't take nothing. You're going to do this. You're going to experience it. And God's going to meet every need in your life. Matter of fact, a lot of stuff's going to come to you faster. Thank you for listening to the Become a Light Today podcast. Family Life Christian Fellowship services are every Sunday at 11 a.m. and every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Call area code 856-430-6365 or visit us online today at familylifeonline.org for more information.